they have been gnawed upon. It is said they eat the dead. Hello and welcome to episode one one four four of ribbon of do we make it to one one four? Wow, of ribbon of we, memes. We keep and nobody stops us. Help! Help! <laughs> uh, well, one day I'll let you out, Roger, um, if you're good. Um, we, this is a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other uh, eclectic um, warriors as masterpieces um i am nick the fish out of water comedy um uh well <laughs> i suppose we'll come on to uh why there's some uh, uh i can't even i can't even with this film um uh, <laughs> roger you are, i have the beard you have the beard there we go that'll do i'm the beardless one this is uh well we've we've had the director uh in very complimentary terms on, on this on this cast before this is john mctiernan's possible masterpiece the um millennium botherer 1999 eaters of the dead scritch 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 the 13th warrior yeah so based on the uh Crichton book that that's uh, uh it's almost as if back. people were Desperately mining Michael Crichton for any possible thing that might make some money for them at some point. Well, you, everybody's looking for the next Jurassic Park. Yes. So, yes. yeah. So, so the, the, I've heard various stories about the retitling, but the, the main one seems to be, uh, the people doing the advertising posters wanted to be able to say, you know, name the stars here. Antonio Banderas is. And if it were, is the Eaters, Eaters of, of the, the dead, dead, it wouldn't work. So the, is <laughs> okay. the 13th Warrior. Um, okay. I mean, this film, it starts, uh, uh, I, I was, I was down for it. I'll be, I, I was down for some, um, dark age action. Um, well, it, it's based on an actual historical account and a yes. well-known legend. So, you know. I'm uh, that. Well, I'd heard some rumours that it was in some way related to Beowulf. So, um, I was down with that. I was down with Antonio Banderas, who I like very much. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's got Vikings in it. I, I was up for this. I was well up for this. It starts, uh, so, um, Antonio Banderas, of course, is, um, is Spanish and therefore able to play a Middle Eastern. So, uh, Middle Eastern character. Uh, he, he is not as white as, well, frankly, us. Yes, exactly. So it's, (laughs) he's in the right ballpark, um, I suppose. Um, but we, uh, we have a quick prologue that he was a, um, uh, a feckless fart around, I guess, in, uh, is it, um, Persia, where he's supposed to be from? Or I think it is. Yeah. Do they mention Baghdad? I can't remember if they do. Um, and I can't, that was still Persia at this point, was it? Uh, My history is failing me. I think it still was in the, yeah, so the, 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 the actual, um, Ahmad ibn, ibn Fadlan, um, was basically sent on an embassy from the Abbasid Caliph, uh, al-Muqadir, I think. Okay. 
Um, so, yes, uh, my dad. So um, he's... Uh, sent to the king of the Volga Bulgars. Yes, he's sent up into uh, Russia, basically, or the Russian steppes. Um, uh, with, um, so the actual uh, historical character uh, lived, as, lived on a trade caravan for a bit, saw a ship burial, uh, basically described the, these, these weird people. And it's, it's one of the um, few surviving accounts of that part of uh, Viking civilization. So this isn't something Crichton made up. This is a genuine... Hmm. Uh, I mean, the, th- the thing he goes on for the bulk of the film, Crichton made up. <laughs> but but uh, the basic, he... he was this guy and he met Vikings, is, is, is attested. Well, it seems credible. You know, if you go that far north, that's where you'll, that's where you'll meet them. Um, so, uh, Antonio Banderas is, um, uh, uh, Aram, Ahmad Ibn Fadlan, um, which they just call Ibn, um, the, the Vikings, but we'll come on to that later. He's accompanied, um, uh, much to my surprise by Omar Sharif, um, well, briefly. in a, <laughs> briefly, sort of an extended cameo, um, but it was lovely to see, uh, Omar Sharif. Um, yeah, and they, they meet some Vikings. And I was so down for that. I was, I was very excited. I mean, he's not a warrior at all. He's a, he's a diplomat, if that really. Is. He, quite he, sure he's what a his court skills are. poet, basically. Yeah, he's clearly got some skill with languages, as we discover. Um, but he's, he's, his skills. He's a lover, not a fighter. Um, and so I, I love the the sort of setup. Uh, I, I mean, I knew he would end up being with a cadre of Vikings. He's quite clearly going to be the thirteenth warrior. Um, but yeah, so uh, quite quickly in this film, and not for the last time, I got confused as to what was happening. So we have, um, they meet some Vikings, and they're, um, I don't know, having a diplomatic feast. And then this random Viking from very far away sort of comes out. It's never explained why he sought out these Vikings particularly. Um, or why they're the only ones that could help, but we, they quickly sets up this kind of magnificent, magnificent seven situation where you've got to come and defend our town. Our yeah, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel there would be many Vikings closer to wherever, wherever it theoretically is. That's what I was a bit confused about. And I, it's not helped by, you know, there's a lot of dialogue that we don't understand, which I, it's fine. I quite like that actually, that we, we don't understand what's going on because, um, even doesn't really understand what's going on either. But then it's also not particularly explained why 13 of these people are then picked. Well, to it's go... the So the, the wise woman. The wise one. Yeah. But what? I guess I don't really know. Really good mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, but she's then. Um, I mean, so, some oh, yeah. of the Scandinavian mushrooms are, are so good that they have to be filtered by reindeer uh, be, be, before they're uh, non-lethal to humans, and that, then, you, then you boil down and drink the reindeer urine to get a reduced dose. So you know. Okay, so if she's on that stuff, it might uh, where she's like, oh uh, yeah, and um, uh, Antonio Banderas over there has got to be even. Uh, it turns out of the warriors that are picked to go and defend this remote. I don't know. It's supposed to be a kingdom. It looks like a load of mud huts to me, but I, um, but there we, are. <laughs> um, she, she picks, um, Eben to go. I was, I was definitely down for this as well. Um, this is an exciting moment. Uh, for some reason though, Omar Sharif's just like, yeah, all right, bye. 
I'm not coming. <laughs> I did. How you're, did you you're going feel to at be this? even further away from the court, so the caliph should be happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my work is done. You may How get you killed, so he'll point? be even happier. <laughs> I, am I being unfair, or did you find this confusing, or was it, did you just sort of um, go along with it? The, this bit, I, 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 I thought pretty much worked for me. Okay. It's all a bit, yeah, you've got to go with the flow so that the adventure can happen, but. I think that's it, yes. I, I got into the spirit of, okay, we've got to, he's got to join these 13. Uh, I mean, they are, there's 12, 12 other warriors. We only really get to know a handful of them. Mm. Oh, there, there, there's a bit after one of the fights where, where they're reading off the toll of the dead, you know, these are their names, yeah. Some of these names, I, I think it was probably the first time I'd ever heard them. <laughs> I certainly sure didn't know what their personalities might be, so. No. I, I agree. You don't, and it's, you know, it's a bit like the dwarves in The Hobbit, I suppose. You, you're never gonna, you focus on some of them. That's fair enough. Um, Even though uh, they all have one character trait each. <laughs> they, they do. We have the, the king one, the Irish one, um, the, uh, the redheaded one. The redheaded one, the one who wears a conquistador breastplate. <laughs> um, but it's it's fine. So we have this nice scene. I think it was much. I've got a vague memory that this was a much derided scene, and I don't know why. But when he's um sort of sitting watching them by the firelight over the weeks of the caravan, and he sort of learns learns their tongue and suddenly starts speaking their language, much to their surprise. It worked all right for me. I, I have a yeah. vague memory that it's, it's, a derided it's not scene. you know wildly. Unreasonable. He's a smart guy. They're probably using a fairly small chunk of vocabulary, you know, because they are talking about the business of traveling and camping. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of it is going to be immediately demonstrated. So. Yeah. And we yeah, get the I impression mean, he has a, a gift for languages anyway. It, yeah. It, it's, it's a cinematic convention, but I, th- I, I found it reasonable. Yes. Yes. That's fair. Then we get to this, um, Piss old little kingdom <laughs> at the end of the world, uh, which is just this, um, it's very, reminded me very much of the Monty Python peasants. It's just mud everywhere and rain and everyone's slopping about in mud. Um, uh, and, and so he meets the king, uh, and they all meet the king and it turns out this king is going to make our king one a king as well. If he does the right thing, which is to defend the village from uh, the, the bear men? I don't think they're even called bear men. What are they called? Wendell. This one? The we- Wendell, which sounds rather like Grendel, I suppose. Um, I, I think what Crichton's trying to do here, assuming that this is reasonably faithful to Crichton's book, is essentially do, do that classic historical novel thing of, if these were the real events, they yes. could have generated the legend that we have today. But, Much yeah, like Bernard o- Cornwall does with the, with the Arthur legends, yeah. The, the, it's all grounded in non-fantastical but mythical sort of stuff. Yeah. Yes. And that's, uh, so then I got the idea, oh, this is the Magnificent Seven, and it's 13 of them. Um, but that's all right, we can lose a few now. <laughs> uh, which is indeed what happens, really. They attack the village. We have this, this is the second point where I got, I feel like I'm being very down on this one. I didn't hate this film at all. Um, I quite enjoyed it, but I was confused by a lot of it. I was confused because John McTiernan and my previous experience with him in Predator in Die Hard is, 
he's very good at sort of staging an action scene where you understand what's going on here, who's the, got this, what are the stakes here. I was confused by a lot of this mm. action, I'll be honest. A lot of the Vikings look pretty similar, especially if you can't see their faces. Yes, there's a lot of shouting and swinging swords and pulling it out in that kind of way that you do in cinema that doesn't really, and there's kind of blood splattering everywhere but i never i never got a sense of really what was going on in a lot of the action sequences um but here's another thing that confused me so we have this random well we have explained oh there's the the prince guy he's not going to like you coming along here and doing all this and he looks very surly at a feast. And so their way of dealing with this is picking a fight with another guy while they're building. So he seems completely innocent and nice. Um, they pick a fight with him uh, and the king guy kills him. And that seems to resolve that subplot. It's never mentioned again. The prince never comes back. Mm. Did Did I miss something? I'm not even sure that was the thing that resolved it, but he just sort of vanished. Yeah. That's right. I thought, oh, he's going to turn out to be the one. He's going to turn out to be the, when or later gonna, on. He's going to backstab Bullywhiff in his moment of triumph or something of that nature. Yeah, match. exactly. Yeah. But no, never, never back again. So that's, that's that subplot done. Tick. Uh, but then they do the Magnificent Seven. Uh, some of them get their heads pulled off. I'm not sure. Who at this point? Because I didn't really quite understand everyone at this point. But that the the whole assault in they're in a uh, a tent in the centre of the village and they they're all assaulted, um, and they fight off a lot of the dead. Uh, they fight off a lot of these creatures, um, but they they sort of drag off the bodies with them, so they're not quite sure what's happening there. So they still think they're supernatural creatures. Yeah, I think. Starting from the point of view of, you know, we know that we are in a world that has supernatural creatures in it, therefore it's a very easy thing to believe. Yeah, they're definitely super. So that's where it's a, it's a shocker. At some point that, um, uh, Bandera's, uh, character even realizes that they're men. Um, but that, so then they go back to the wise woman. This is a different wise woman at this point. What's, so this is another, I, I struggle to hold the plot together in my head a little bit. Um, Eben's got this little kind of, it looks like a jade turd or something. <laughs> I can't quite work out what it is. Where did that come from? Did he find it on a body or? Um, that, you've lost me on that one. <laughs> exactly. But well, okay. This is, and, and he shows it to the wise woman who kind of sniffs it because he says, I want some oh, of this. Oh, 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 right. Sorry. I, the, the Jade confused me. Uh, it, it's basically a, uh, Willendorf style, uh, Venus figurine. Oh, you're right. Yes. It was a, it was, um, an earth mother thing. That's so right. It's, it's one of those, you know, female figure, huge bulgy belly, huge bulgy breasts. Everything else is relatively unimportant. That's true. I, for some reason, I got in my head it was a jade turd. Even when it did a close-up, <laughs> that's entirely down on me. Even when it did a close-up of a very obvious um, Earth Mother type figurine, uh, I've overwritten it in my head with a, a jade turd, which I apologise uh, to uh, to all the listeners with. Um, but then she says, "Okay, two things must you do, or whatever. You've got to go and kill." The leader of the, the, the mother of the cult, um, the, the bad witch. And then you'll have to kill the, the head guy, you know, the chief guy, and that'll sort out your problem. 
Is that am I if I'm mm. being yeah. fair? Is that yeah. yeah? That's that's basically it. Um, uh, and look, I forget how she puts it, but she's like, look, look underground. Oh, they're of the earth. You'll find them in the earth. Yeah, a certain amount of that we get from um, I'm as well because he, having realised these guys are um, mentally regarding themselves as taking on aspects uh, of the bear. Yes. And uh, where and where, do, where does a bear hide? And so on. Uh, yeah, I felt a bit painfully drawn out to me that bit of like <laughs> she's they're like, well, where could it be? And it's like, is there a cave? In this clearing. Oh, yeah, there's a cave. Well, maybe we should look in the cave then. Cause, all right, okay, I think we got the idea. Um, there's a very extensive cave system. Um, mm. I've, I've never seen the Gotta like be limestone. of limestone. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I mean, it's good. Again, I, I mean, I was enjoying all this. I was just quite often a bit confused. Or I just felt a bit choppy, changing. I was confused as to where the prince had gone. Um, well, but we, then we're going to come off... back to the production story, but let's let's carry on with the plot for now. Well, then they're off uh, to. Uh, then they've got to go to their headquarters. Only thirteen of them are allowed to go. They're not allowed to take like any sizable force or anything. They've just got to go themselves. The, Except it's not thirteen the by now. Are the thirteen. Yeah, they're like nine or something. But and so we've started to get to know the Irish one and the redhead and the. The, the the curious guy um uh at this point i was understanding there was a difference uh between um the, the prince guy and the the guy who was like the main uh so there's bullywiff and there was um bullywiff is uh, our fucking hero basically he, yes but then we have the other one that's quite heroic but isn't quite he's like his lieutenant he's like the uh i don't know the the um the bailin to his thorin um <laughs> So they, they sneak in. This is another moment where I was very confused. Um, I, maybe I was just very tired when I was watching the film, <laughs> but they, they, it's a Hollywood a moment... film. It should, ne- it should never be too complicated, even for a very tired person. <laughs> well, I don't mind. Uh, um, uh, there's a, so then they get into the cave and the way they do it, I think it's by dressing as the bear guys. Is that right? Yeah. Because there's a moment when there's a there's a sentry outside, and a bear guy walks up to him and just stabs the sentry through the neck mm-hmm. and kills him. And it took me a while to work out, oh, is that them? But I could have yeah, done. It maybe turns out I... it's quite a good disguise. Yeah, it completely <laughs> fooled me because I was like, well, why has he done that? Um, but see, maybe I could have done with a close up of um, one of their faces grinning under the bear costume. Um, but yeah, they, they are cannibals. They pile up skulls and they live in the caves. Um, oh, if they all live in caves, why have they got a cavalry division? What I mean, I just I, do yeah. They... Also, how well, one thing I note I made at the time was how do you raise and train and feed that many cavalry such that your enemy doesn't know they exist? <laughs> exactly. Well, are they all down eating mushrooms in the caves? I didn't. That I, that only occurred to me later on in the climactic battle when it's, it's clear they have a significant cavalry department in these cave dwelling bear men. Do they think bears ride on horses? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, it's all it's it's kind of fun boys' own adventure, but it it failed in the fridge logic in the sense that I I kept uh, the fridge logic being. Um, your definition of the classic. It's fine. So long as it lasts, uh, so long as it lasts for the film, the plot holes, it doesn't really matter. 
But if if it catches you before you've got to the fridge and, and got the next beer, then it's probably not strong enough to last for the film. Is that a, a good definition? I, I think that's the usual way it's used, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it's kind of a minimum standard. It would be better if it lasted after you've had the beer as well, but... Yes, if it, if you can at least get to the fridge and get the beer, that's fine. Um, yeah. Then we have, I, I, it's in, and this is a really, uh, this is a, I enjoyed it. They're in, there's like some, um, uh, Indiana Jones shenanigans. They've got a swing across the, in, Antonio Banderas at this point is, is, um, he's growing into this sort of warrior. I haven't mentioned him much because he just sort of carried along by the, the plot. Well, he's out of his, his growth is effectively to be able to do the same thing that these Viking guys already do. <laughs> exactly. At this point, it would have been better as eaters that because he's not doesn't especially stand out. Other than you know his background, he has become and there is lack of beard. I suppose he, he's, <laughs> he's, he's become. They they accept him very quickly and it, um uh. He's not like narrating the whole thing as if it's, uh, it's not like, um, the name of the rose or anything like that. He's not constantly sort of going back to it. Um, so then we have another, we have a sort of a fight. Uh, so that there's a tense bit where they're about to get discovered, which is really cool. And they have to drop into the, the, the water. Um, and then, uh, I thought there was like a last stand here because they were like to bully with, go on. Go and kill the the witch woman. Well, they're, they're, they're still here. effectively hidden at this point. Bullywhip uh, engages in single combat with the witch, uh, the poison witch. Yes, uh, but to be fair, he, he doesn't know that. I mean, personally, I've always felt the be- best way to kill a witch is is massed artillery fire. But you know, you take, you take <laughs> what you can get. Um, a, no, it's. I think that was a, it. Was an interesting fight. Her head comes off. Um, he gets poisoned. He kind of knows it at that point. He's a, he's a goner, but um, but he's not immediately uh, disabled. So now they have to get out, and the bad guys are alerted, and that that's where we get the heroic sacrifice. Of, you well, know, there, you there guys was go a moment. Stay back. Yes, and that was the um, uh, the actor that I recognise from a lot of different. That's um, uh, Clive Russell. Uh, Clive Russell, exactly. Yes, um, the the QRS guy, but he's um, he stays stays behind. Um, I would have, my worries would have been aroused when I was in a cave complex under the ground and one of my companions said, there's a tunnel here leading down. <laughs> like, okay. Is that, is that the way we want to go? But it turns out it's all right because it is a limestone cave and it is worn through to, even well, though there are, to be fair, the... they, they know there is a water outflow. At least. Yes, they do. They follow the sort of stream down and it does, it, it makes sense, but they, they take a risk, um, and swim out. And then it, it, it almost feels like the, the climax of the film has sort of come and gone a bit. Uh, well, but it's then a we two have stage another... climax because we have the last great big fight. Well, you say great big fight. I mean, so we have this, so then they've got to get back to the village and they're like, Oh, we've won. Oh, no, we haven't. They're all going to come and. Killers. We haven't killed the uh, warlord yet. We haven't killed the warlord yet. Um, and so it sort of built up to that. So I was expecting this kind of real magnificent seven style. Oh, we're all gonna, yeah, this is it. Oh, this is our final stand. This is our last stand. Most of us are gonna die, but we're gonna save this village come hook or by crook. But what actually happens really is that the warlord comes along. We don't really, he's never sort of characterized or looks particularly different to anyone else. 
Um, and uh, he's wearing uh, horns. He's he's wearing horns. Um, Bullywhiff pops out, kills him very quickly. I mean, it's not very. That's what I mean about the action sequence and the staging. We have it's all this build up. You know, we have. Um, uh, uh, Antonio Banderas is, uh, takes off his armor and uh, kneels to Mecca and starts to pray, and everyone's. Uh, but then the actual fight, it feels like it lasted two minutes or something. Mm. I, I can't remember how long it lasted. But like the 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 warlord comes along, Bullywhiff kills him, they all run off. Job done. The wise woman was right. And Ahmed goes back to his embassy. He does. Yeah. I so. I feel like that was a bit, I, I am, um, I feel like I was unnecessarily cruel probably on, on the film, but I found it, <laughs> I was well up for this and I just found it a little confusing. Too many plot holes, uh, a lot of kind of dangling threads that never really, uh, I almost really like the Vikings, but I never quite got to know them enough to really like them. That was a thing that struck me particularly because I was thinking, this is the guy who directed Predator. Mm. And specifically, you know, by the time we're out of the helicopter in Predator, you know who all these guys are. Yeah. Yes, there are fewer of them, but... You, and yeah, one of them was so you knew who he was already. But this guy has got a spear in the guts, and you know it's this guy, not generic guy. Yeah, they're not uh, they're not two dimensional in Predator by any means, but they're all distinctive. And I appreciate, you know, this Viking. I think I feel like it does their best to make a distinction between them. Uh, but then I thought, you know, uh, they, I thought they'd all get their climactic death scene right at the end, but no. Um, there, there were lots of little mm. things that kept niggling at me as we went along. I mean, it, it okay. okay, so I mean, it's trying to be an un, uh, a sort of unfantastic fantasy, mm. uh, which I think wouldn't really take off until everyone wanted to copy Game of Thrones. Hmm. The, the idea that you know we we are in um, history world with swords and horses and things, but nobody's actually slinging magic about, even if some people believe in it. Or if, it's if, funny, if like, they are, I, it's always, I always feel like Game of Thrones, we're watching a world transform from low fantasy to high fantasy, mm. which I, I quite I quite like. But anyway, yes, I but, agree. And, all right, I, I have not read um, Ahmad ibn Fadlan's uh, account of his embassy, uh, but one of the things he specifically points up is how dirty the Vikings were compared with his people, how little they bathed and all the rest of it. Mm. So having them all being really pretty <laughs> and, and clear, clearly made up and so on is yeah, okay. The, the made up, fair enough. You have got to do it for the film, but but they 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 have not got dirt smudges and stuff on them, and that would no. I think that would have been an effective contrast. Yeah. I I, don't, I think that might have run the risk of being a bit kind of stereotypical, kind of I'm the civilized one. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that I, was the entire uh, yeah one of the major points of the actual historical account. The actual, is when it's in the actual from, historical so. document, that's and fair enough. Yeah, Beowulf. All right, Beowulf is a story that I know well, and it's a story I care about, like like Sir Gawain mm. and the Green Knight. When somebody says, I'm going to do a new version of Beowulf, I do not get enthused. 
<laughs> because I feel okay. it's already been done really quite well. But on the other hand, to be fair, um, this is barely a version of Beowulf. It, it, I, it's, my... As we're saying, it, it, it's designed to be, this could have been the inspiration for the story. It, it's not the story. Um, it only so, touches on it, yeah. Yeah, so, I, so frankly, I don't mind that. So this is good. Okay, yeah, um, good. It wasn't close enough to Beowulf to upset you. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a whole lot of foreshadowing about the fire serpent. Yes. Uh, which turns out to be their cavalry waving, the enemy cavalry waving torches. Fair enough. The the way it was yeah. presented as this unstoppable thing, I kept thinking, it's got to be a lava flow, surely. Yes, so when, anticlimactic. When it wasn't, it was a kind of minor disappointment. But yeah, I yes, the, the, I, I think that sums up a lot of my slight issues with the Thirteenth Warrior. It's, it's all never quite. It does Islam a bit wrong as well. Um, there, there's what one scene where yeah, they, they are all drinking, and he says, "You know, cannot cannot let grape or grain pass my lips." And ha ha, honey. That's actually not how it works. Okay. The, the, the prohibition in the Quran is on intoxicants, which has often been regarded as wine specifically. But, but right, okay. But, but he would be well aware. But if, I can't if, drink alcohol for for those sects, which is most of them that go beyond that. It is anything that will get you off your head, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't we don't really don't care where it comes from. Um, th- this this is a thing. I I think. People brought up uh, in in a Christian, slightly Jewish influenced culture, um, tend to think of that whole we 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 can um, nitpick and legislate our way around the rules, and most other world religions don't do that in the same way. I'm not saying there isn't that in in Islamic scholarship, but it's 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 not yeah. a mainstream thing. It's less of let's find a loophole in the rules as let's take the the spirit of what's meant behind this seriously. Yeah. Do 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 okay. not get messed up, especially if you're out to be praying. Yes, okay. Yeah. Um and the the other thing is yeah, but we we get we do get an improvised prayer from him and it is very much a Christian sort of prayer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And <laughs> the film is really very it's very attractive. The sets are, are I mean all oh, right, the sets as you say are piles of mud, but they're very attractive piles of mud. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. We we've got extras in plausible looking costumes. Um not not just you know, we we just sewed a blanket together. Um, well it's a lot of the look of the film that got me kind of going. It's like oh yeah, I'm up for this. Look at this Viking longship, look at this, this. yeah. I but, agree but the, the look script of it. for me was just well, you know, here's a thing, and here's another thing, and it, it happens. Okay, we should talk about production because it's it. There's a bit of blame sharing to go ro- go along here. Okay, okay. Because I I came into this um with with the question: Was this McTinnan's last good film? Okay, and, and I'll come back to that. But in one sense, I have to say no because it isn't entirely McTinnan's film. He he did the shoot, hmm. um, and then Crichton came in and took over. And then did eighteen months of oh. reshooting and editing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he doesn't get a director credit on this, but um, yeah, I, I think he gets officially an additional material or something like that. But yeah, it, it is very much he was not happy did with the way his book was being adapted, the... and he was big enough that he he could just do that. This was post Jurassic Park, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. I bet I would lay money on Crichton directing the warlord turning up. 
I, I've certainly heard it said that it's a different ending, but I don't know what the original ending was. Because that was so... It was all about the build-up. It was all mouth and no trousers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he also oh. kicked out the original score, which I, I've heard people say was interesting but challenging in, in a, you know, it's not quite what you expect from ho- big Hollywood film music. Oh, was it like authentic... Uh, no. Norse music. No, no, I think I think it was I think it was actually more modern. Um, oh, like Ladyhawk has a kind of modern electronic. But he, he got in Jerry Goldsmith, and this was one of those films where uh, the motif, the motif is starting again. It's the same motif yeah. every single time. It felt a bit phoned in. Which I mean, it, it's a thing Jerry Goldsmith does. Yeah. He's he's popular. Well, at least at this point, I don't know if he's still working these days. But he was certainly popular as a film composer. Um, I, like I think I think that's the thing effect. people want. You know, here is this distinctive thing that you walk out of the cinema humming. But I do find it a bit wearing sometimes. Well, it depends on whether you like. I'd like the Raiders march, but um, uh, yeah. but sometimes, yeah. And John, John this, Williams does it well for me. Oh, I, I like Jerry Goldsmith sometimes. But uh, yeah. this is the guy who who directed Predator. This is the guy who directed Die Hard. I think that was my chief disappointment is that I felt the action was a bit muddy and not literally muddy, but I, I just felt it was a bit, I was confused as to what the stakes were often, who was in the fight and what they were fighting for. Oh, look, it's another fight. And yeah, there wasn't a lot, you know, we've talked about our favorite fights. They use the environment and they grapple and they, Oh no, there's mud. I'm going to slip over. Oh, the stakes here. So, you know, uh, there's, hmm. the, the, uh, we're in a cave, it's claustrophobic, we're gonna, um. You don't have room to swing your weapon, maybe. Exactly, yeah, something, uh, but here it was all just like, ah, uh, I have a, a dislike of that kind of Hollywood, I'm, I've never seen a real, actual people killed by a sword, but there's a, there's a, there's a thing that I feel like I've seen a thousand times where someone swings a sword in someone's midriff and sort of keeps going and then looks at the camera or the other antagonist or whoever they're going for and then pulls the sword to one side and then whoever's sort of on the sword who has been slashed on it kind of falls face down on the floor because they're now, they've been done. They're dead. They got hit by the sword. And I just, there was a lot of that I felt in this, a lot of slash, pull, I, I think it's it's a cinematic cliche. Um, that there's a style of Japanese dueling which has made it into a Japanese film as the two of them rush towards each other with swords upraised. They pass. They stop. One of them falls over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Yes. It's yeah. All right. Uh, I, I, mean, I didn't. It's think... similarly cliched. I think. Yeah. Well, it felt it didn't feel like very inspired choreography. To me, the mm. fight car. I mean, I've seen better. I mean, you can make a lot of argues about arguments about lightsabers and why. What do they weigh and why are people holding them in two hands? If and they which sword or style should you use with them? Because they've used a bunch of different ones in different uh, films. Exactly, but they felt more. Uh, I I bring up lightsaber combat because it feels like I've seen more interesting balletic kind of movements where I knew what the stakes were there. Uh, mm. I don't know. I I tell you what. I I don't know. Maybe I, the the fight scene that comes to mind from a different film that I I want to see more of. Actually, <laughs> weirdly, is the 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 bar fight at the beginning of Treasure of the Sierra Madre, where they just 
they just want to fuck this guy over and they don't, they just mm. you know it's all uh, uh, there's nothing glamorous about it I, it's just, I don't even care how much I may get injured I just want him to be exactly, hurt I'm, I'm pissed off and I want to hurt this guy uh, and this felt very um, Hollywood slash choppy which is perhaps that's unfair maybe there isn't a place for that in this film but it was replaced by uh, consequently a lot of the fights felt quite samey to me mm. and and because of that when people died in fights there weren't actually there weren't really any major character oh no he's died during this fight a lot of the fights but when people did it just because all the fights felt very same it's just like very similar it was just like um Oh, it's their time to not make it through this fight now. It wasn't like, oh, this is a natural consequence of this fight happening because mm. he's outclassed in this particular way. I think mm. a, a lot of the fights were basically being won by numbers and fortifications more than a role, more than individual skill. Yes. Yeah. Which is, it, it, it's fine. Uh, yeah. they, they spend a lot of time on we're building these fortifications, but they don't really, the fortifications don't really pay off particularly either in the fights. There's a, there's a lot of, again, all males and no, there's a lot of preparation, build these stakes, do this, but then it never pays off later in the film. Well, in, in particular, you know, we, we, we've closed up the fortifications because we've had the warning that the bad guys are coming. Oh no, there is a child down there. And then our hero obviously gets them to open up the thing, goes, goes down to rescue the child and carries it back on horseback. And he doesn't appear to have any <laughs> particular difficulty doing this and getting back yeah. inside and closing up the fortifications while the bad guys arrive. So, you know, shrug. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I feel like, oh, I don't know. I'm thinking of like Mad Max 2, you know, the siege of that. I just, <laughs> eh, and, and Predator and I, I, the action sequences I felt was surprisingly uninspiring to me. Uh, so, which is a shame. Omar Sharif said a few years later, um, okay. So, just just to review, review um, his probably biggest roles in the sixties: um, Sheriff Sheriff Ali in Lawrence of Arabia and Doctor Zhivago. Um, but yeah, he he kept working on and off till he died in twenty fifteen. Mm. Um, he, he was also apparently a big name in Contract Bridge until he decided it was an addiction and gave it up. Which you know, oh yeah, was huge. I, there was a, I used to have a computer game Omar Sharif's Bridge. Yeah. Um, I, it was an addiction for me as well. So he said, uh, after my small role in the 13th Warrior, I said to myself, let us stop this nonsense, these meal tickets that we do because it pays well. Unless <laughs> I find a stupendous film that I love and that makes me want to leave home to do, I will stop. Bad pictures are very humiliating. I was really sick. It is terrifying to have to do the dialogue from bad scripts to face a director who does not know what he's doing in a film so bad that it is not even worth exploring. Well, we're exploring a... it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a bit on the harsh side, um, but... Particularly since he was only basically in about three scenes. <laughs> yeah, come on, Omar. Um, but uh, to me, it felt like a bit of a mess that could have been significantly improved by mm. a bit of tightening up and some better... Uh, maybe if he had been the sixth warrior instead of the 13th. Um I would be really interested to see the uh, rough cut from when McTinn had finished with it. Yeah, that would be interesting. Because sometimes this sort of reshoot makes things clearer and sometimes it makes things much muddier. So, and particularly, I, I, I would 
be considering that Crichton, A, not an experienced director, but also B, already obviously knows the story because he wrote the book and maybe <laughs> might, might feel that it didn't need to be explained. So, yeah. uh, Also might be a bit precious about it, potentially. And also, as a director, not not really known for his action sequences. I've seen the Andromeda Strain. It's very good. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not known for its action sequences. I'm, I'm hypothesizing. Um, what, what we can do is look at, uh, McTinner's next work, which is the Rollerball remake, uh, which oh, basically everybody hated. Uh, yes, I hadn't heard good things about it. Um, and the thing that's documented there is that the original script that he got given was a relatively thoughtful one and he turned it into something more directly actiony. So it's interesting because it would to not me, be die unreasonable hard. to hypothesise that that was the same thing here. Then, then everybody yeah. hated Basic after that because it was just too twisty and too too many suddenly aha, but you don't know that. Moments. Okay. So, gone off the boil a bit. Um, I, I mean, Die Hard is. Well, then, then, I there, don't was know. The, then there was the whole uh, imprisonment and yeah. <laughs> yeah, that well, <laughs> that's caused problems. It's true. I, I, Die Hard to me is the epitome of a great action. In fact, it's, I don't often like just pure action films. Um, well, I don't know if that's not true. Uh, 80s well, action I mean, movies. Let, let, let us uh, encourage our listeners to go back and listen to the episode on Die Hard. But I, I think one of the reasons that is such a success is that it is very much the humanized action. You know, yeah. here is Bruce doing a thing, but you know exactly why he's doing it and what he's trying to achieve. Yeah, not, I not think just, that's... ooh, let, let's make Bruce walk across a, some broken glass. Yeah, it never feels egregious in, uh, and it never feels samey. Um, and I suppose you could argue some of the action in Predator, people, uh, rugged manly man shooting into the jungle, <laughs> uh, <laughs> can feel samey, but it, it, it slowly ups the stakes in Predator. And the good thing about Predator is it sort of starts with the generic action movie and gets that out of the way <laughs> and then turns into a, a, a sort of different film. Um, I I didn't hate this film by any means at all, I, and I think it could have been great, but I was confused a lot uh, in the action with the characters. It was a it didn't quite pass fridge logic to me. Um, I did I will unreservedly apologise for the Jade Turd, which I now remember is is, <laughs> is actually an Earth Mother, uh, an Earth Goddess um, symbol, and is quite clearly marked in the film, but. Um, it doesn't quite work for me. I enjoy it was an enjoyable uh way to pass the time. And I'm I, I love the kind of the milieu in the film and as you say, it's a beautiful film. But I was left a little confused and underwhelmed, if I'm honest. Yeah, Roger Ebert said it lumbers from one expensive set piece to the next without taking the time to tell a story, which to some I... extent now, well, some films I enjoy when they do that. North yeah. by Northwest, you could argue, is exactly that. But it what, what uh, it doesn't do for me is establish personal character stakes beyond I don't want to die. So. Yeah, we never have much character development of uh, Eben other than, um, well, he kind of does what you predict. He doesn't do anything. I, I, I don't want to keep dumping on it because I, yeah. I didn't hate it by any means. Well, but, yeah, um, I, but yeah, I didn't didn't love it either. Yeah, I think that's where we are. Inflation adjusted, it is third biggest box office bomb ever. Now that's a bit unfair. <laughs> and the the other two are John Carter and the Lone Ranger. 
I will say John Carter, actually, there's a lot to like. That's a mess, too, to be fair, but I probably enjoyed that more than this. I've never seen The Lone Ranger, um, nor will I ever, um, <laughs> if I have anything to do with it. Well, there we are, um, The 13th Warrior. Um, I'm glad I watched it. Uh, I just, I think because I was so primed, there's so much of it that I like the idea of, I just wish it was better. Hmm. It's... I mean, maybe it's like that thing that uh, you get with some writers who, you know, they, they, they wrote their big thing 10 years ago and clearly, you know, their publisher has said, give us another one in that series. And, he's, and the writer says, but that series is done. And the publisher says, don't care, do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they write the next one and clearly they have just gone off. They, yeah. they, they don't have that spark that they had. And I, I wonder, they, I wonder yeah. if that's there for McTinnan, um at this point. I have to say, honestly, I think his last good film was from 1999, but it was the Thomas Crown Affair remake, which, honestly, I've, I feel very positively about. We should do a double watch of those two, because I haven't seen either of them. Oh, They're right. The original and the new one. So I'm going to suggest it live on, uh, as live as podcast. <laughs> I, I, I have seen and uh, blog reviewed both of them. So yeah, absolutely. Yes, I know, I know you've been complimentary about them. So we should, we should give those a try. I'd be down for both of those. So, um, yeah. But I think that about wraps it up. Um, yeah, uh, um, I think we probably agree fairly straightforwardly. Not a masterpiece, though it definitely has its no. moments. I will uh, say I, about I, the I don't regret having taken the time to watch it. No, no, I, I enjoy it. It's a fun film, but I will say The Thirteenth Warrior, I cannot lift this. Ah, right till we find them, then kill them all. <laughs> Very good. <laughs>